series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. My name is Andrew White, and we are back. I'm alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, the slickest of slats, K Slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall. Recording after the Christmas season, December 29th, right before the college football playoffs and the new 2022 year. So I'm saying welcome, and Marshall, how are you tonight? I am great, guys. Happy to be on, as always. Um... I actually wrote out my notes uh, so I don't sound stupid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Well, you never sound stupid. So, but that's, that sounds good. I remember back in the, the early days when we used to basically write uh, sentences to, <laughs> to help us out in the beginning <laughs> of the show. We sounded like freaking robots. So uh, funny times. Anyway, uh, Kevin, how are you? Doing well, man. Sniff is a board right now, so I might have to do some yoga or stretching after the show. But other than that, you know, feels like a typical day at the office today. So, yeah, doing OK. Stiff as a board. That's a new one. I like it, though. And Jelly looks like you got a haircut. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Got the haircut. Got to clean up a bit to go see the parental units for the uh, <laughs> winter break. But, um, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty good. The Eagles come with a big, big win. They have actual playoff clinching potential this week. So I'm very excited about the possibility of being a playoff team, even though all of our first round draft picks are now going to probably be in the 20s. <laughs> Sad times, but exciting times. Uh, just, I mean, I mean, Kevin and his, uh, his Giants not looking good. Myself and my Steelers not looking good. So uh, at least there's two people on this show that might have playoff teams. Um, okay. Kevin, I feel like you're about, you wanted to say something about that. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say, well, maybe we should talk about that later. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So as people may have known, uh, at least this is the day after we found this out, we're recording this, but uh, John Madden has passed away. Rest in peace. But in, in good news, he was on the older side in his mid eighties. So it's good to see people lasting that long. Nowadays, we've been sadly watching some legends die a little bit too early. So uh, in light of him and memory of him, not only as a coach and an influential part of the game and a broadcaster, we are going to talk about his games. Not that he designed them, of course, but your favorite Madden game. Now, we have some memories on this show, Andrew Marshall and Justin more specifically, of course, but <laughs> in terms of your favorite <laughs> game, I'm going to start off and say 2003. For one reason, and that is because it's the only one I've ever had. And it was on a silver laptop that I was allowed to play one hour on Wednesdays, one hour on Saturdays. I was like six. Um, when I actually started playing, I was not six in 2003. Uh, and that was the game of choice. So, uh, And the running back training. I don't know if you guys have ever played those games, but the, the training with your running back through the sticks and the oh, – Great time. So that's my favorite game. Justin, how about you? Yeah, for me, I actually feel like I've almost talked about this game on the show before. Madden 09, which was the double cover year for Brett Favre. That was the year he went from the Packers to the Vikings and was still the cover athlete. Like that game was like by far the best game, in my opinion, just because I played a lot of franchise mode uh, with my dad. Like growing up, like every year we'd buy the new Madden game, we'd play franchise mode. 
But that one we kept coming back to because it was like the most inclusive franchise mode. It had literally everything you could ever dream about. It literally had like great training camp games, unlike what they have now. They had a lot of amazing regular season. They had, did a good job with the draft classes back then too. The player rankings were extremely realistic. The managing was extremely realistic. You could never like go over on salary and cap hits. And like now in the games, you can be like negative 100 million and somehow it still says you're good to go. So it was just such a well-designed franchise mode. And I, me, me and my dad had probably racked up thousands of hours in that game and thousands is not an exaggeration when i say that we've at least hit a thousand hours in that game like no cap so absolutely great batting game and you know great athlete on the cover wow father son bonding i love it wait wait, who was on the who was on the cover i'm curious brett Favre. Favre. Uh, the double brett Favre. yeah got it okay all right marshall favorite madden game go for it my all-time favorite madden game is madden 12 uh, that was the OG ultimate team. That was the first ultimate team I played. I was rocking cover two man, uh, very defense oriented, which is like, uh, which is like that. That's how I like to play Madden. Uh, yeah, I was basically rocking cover two man Madden ultimate team. It was easier to get your team actually really good. So we had Champ Bailey, uh, Darrell Revis on the outside, and then we had Palomalu and Ed Reed as as the as the two back safeties. So. That coverage is really LP. Um, Madden 20 is the one that you guys, uh, when we were living together, (laughs) were witnesses to. And this game, there's a lot that comes from this game. As we mentioned, Justin and I have a history of this game. It started off with Andrew Marshall going up in the tally, uh, starting off beating Justin the first couple times. And then we got to... uh, one particular match where I ended up Gronk spiking a controller that had the RB button broken. So I had trouble audibling. Justin was picking apart my, my zone coverage defense and beat me with the Eagles. I was the Cowboys. And I think everyone was legitimately just like, holy shit, did you, the, the, the controller broken about a hundred different pieces. Uh, and yep. so like whenever we make like reference to that, it's like, Oh, you don't want to piss Marshall off. Well, I legitimately bought Gronk spike the controller in, in, in our own. Uh, <laughs> Listen, man, we were, own, we were, <laughs> we were, we were going to let that go here. But um, now that you mentioned it, Kevin did indeed. Uh, I wasn't in the room. Kevin <laughs> texted me or maybe it was just, I think it was both of you separately. Yeah. Just texted me a photograph of the controller with zero <laughs> context. Or, or I think Kevin might've said Marshall happened. And then um, that was the context, Marsh. but. Hey, to be fair, to be fair to him, you know, I was, I was grinding clock because I just wanted to make sure I won. And I literally, and Marshall said it like immediately afterwards. It was the most Bill Belichick thing I could have done. And I was like, I'm going to throw a screen pass here to try to get the first down to end the game. And you know, yeah, that set Marshall off. And I can understand why those screen passes in Madden can be the cheesiest part of the game, hands down. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to replicate Bill Belichick um, or Tom Brady in front of Marshall. But but anyway, we digress. We digress. Kevin, what is your favorite Madden game? Well, for me, again, it would be Madden 2020, the one with Patrick Mahomes, the one that we all played. Because yes, that was one of my favorite Marshall moments. I saw that live. Um, I knew I knew Marshall that you were going to get angry. I didn't know how angry you were going to get <laughs> because. I saw Justin do the screen pass and I was like, oh shit, like this is going to be annoying. 
from Marshall and like he's going to just lose it. And I didn't think that you would actually spike the controller because you said it, I think it was someone else's. And then when you spiked it, it just completely shattered into, into like multiple chunks of pieces. It looked like it was dropped from like a 15 story building. And I wasn't anticipating that, but beyond that fun memory, <laughs> that fun memory of chaos, there was a lot of times too, where I would play that game where it was the first Madden game I had played. And I would play a lot of times with my brothers and my cousins. Uh, my cousins are big Packer fans. So they always play with the Packers or something. And we, we would do like, uh, like pickup games of Madden, but it would be like fun stuff where it would be like, Oh, we're going to go for it on like fourth and 20. And Oh, like I'm going to set up a formation where it's like a defensive punting formation. So basically everybody, all 11 guys on defense are running at you. And then you have to just get it to a wide out who's like a yard away, but you have to throw it to him just in time before you get absolutely sacked by 12 people or 11 people. Um, so that was always fun. And yeah, it was probably my favorite only because I hadn't played in any other one. I, you know, me, I'm, I'm a big COD guy, big Assassin's Creed guy and Red Dead Redemption. So I love, I love single player and shoot 'em up games, but uh, you know, that was the first sports game that I had played where I loved it personally. All right. Yeah. And uh, just to, I, I, go ahead, Mark, I gotta go on. say one. Yeah. One more thing about that game. Madden 20 is yes. That is the game uh, that is like embedded in all our hearts. The game was very run meta, uh, which I really liked, uh, especially for the ultimate team stuff. We all played it. And I think we all watched each other, mainly me, but pretty much everyone at one point just kind of like get into the Madden addiction. I was playing that game weekend league, um, which was like 20 or 30 games of Madden, like a weekend. Um, So it legitimately took over my life for a period of time. And I think we all like, that was the game that was like always on for us. So that game, like more than any game, like I I just remember so well. (laughs) Now, Aaron Rodgers is the favorite, according to Vegas, to win the MVP. Now, Couples of a few weeks going on here still. Is he your favorite for the MVP race right now? I'll start off with actually saying no and saying that I do believe that Jonathan Taylor is the guy. But but that's okay. It doesn't really happen too often. And he did start off the year pretty slow. And Aaron Rodgers' numbers are yet again unbelievable. So it's not the worst take for sure. Justin, how about you? Yeah, I think my problem that it comes from is like, I feel like MVP voting lately has been very second half heavy. It really doesn't take into consideration first half, which is why I think Jonathan Taylor is so highly considered. Um, I don't think Rodgers is my MVP right now. I do think it's Brady, and that's based off of pure consistency. He hasn't done anything amazing, but he hasn't done anything bad. A lot of people think that the loss to the Saints is going to hurt them in the long run, especially since they were shut out. But there was just a lot of injuries in that game that they couldn't even game plan for. So it's hard to really blame your quarterback for not even knowing the game plan going in. If Mike Evans and Godwin were hurt prior to the game, like, yeah, Bray's a bit more accountable. But he really just didn't – there just wasn't a game plan for if you were going to lose Godwin and Evans in-game. So Bray's definitely my favorite. I think Taylor's still my second favorite and Rodgers is my third. But this weekend for the Colts, I mean – Carson Wentz is currently on the COVID list. Based off the new rules, he might be eligible to play on Sunday against the Raiders. But if he's not, and Jonathan Taylor runs for 200 yards still, 
with a injured offensive line and a rookie quarterback, like that's going to say a lot that I think is going to move the needle a lot more for Taylor. If he pulls that off and pulls out a win for them. Totally. Kevin. So for me, it's Jonathan Taylor, because I think the one thing that I like just watching the Colts is a lot of times when you, at least to me, when I watch a running back, a lot of times they're part of a system and they're kind of a cog in the offense. And I feel like with Taylor, he's actually become to some degree, the system of the Indianapolis Colts. One thing that I saw actually from the New York times, and I wanted to put this up his value. He's added 479 yards of to the Colts offense this season. The thing for him though, that's I think a problem. The reason why we say quarterbacks are usually more valuable than running backs is there's 12 other quarterbacks that have also added 479 yards to their offenses. And that's like guys like Brady or even Teddy Bridgewater. But what he's doing as a running back to add that much, there aren't any other running backs that add that much in terms of yards to the offense. So I think for him, um, I think the fact that he's on pace or comparable to offensive output as some quarterbacks are, for me, I think he's the most valuable guy for that Indianapolis offense and maybe their most valuable player. And I think just the second half surge that we're seeing where, again, Indianapolis could be a dark horse Super Bowl team, in my opinion. I think he's very deserving. He probably won't get it. He'll probably get offensive player of the year. But for those reasons that I mentioned, he's my MVP. And for those reasons, I'm out. Um, (laughs) Marshall, how about you? I've got Rodgers, and it's for a few reasons. One, after the after the opening game, uh, the the Saints game, where the Packers basically like just didn't show up. Rodgers has been twelve and one since that game. Uh, the Packers are twelve and three, and the only game that he didn't start, their offense couldn't score a touchdown for three quarters against the Chiefs, who were not like really clicking at that time at all. They were very beatable. And part of that is Jordan Love just like not being good already. But I think Rodgers just has, I think he's been the best quarterback in the league. Uh, Personally, he's the best quarterback that I've seen. Now, obviously we can talk about Tom. I think Tom is almost in like a different category uh, where his greatness exceeds how actually good he is. It's almost like a different distinction, but in terms of just throw to throw basis, um, how good he is, especially when he's at his peak. I think Rodgers has more control over the game than anyone. And uh, out of every quarterback, out of all the star quarterbacks, when he is out of a game, the line, the Vegas moves the line the most, which is both to, you know, that's both a testament to how good Rodgers is. I mean, they'll move the the line six, seven points, which for one player is ridiculous. If Rodgers is out, that's both kind of an indictment on the backers and a credit to Rodgers. I would have Taylor too. I mean, his numbers speak for themselves, 297 attempts, uh, over 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns. He's absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's proven that he's the best runner in that draft class. He's, he's one of these guys that, that truly, truly matters, uh, you know, along with Henry and, and Nick Chubb. I think they're the three best backs in the league. I don't think anyone else really has a great argument for it because, again – what running back is it's a threshold position uh once you're above like a certain ability level it actually starts mattering like a ton because if you think about it intuitively you have like you know you basically have 
three downs to get 10 yards. And so like when you start ripping off five, six yards of carry, it starts to mimic almost how the running back position is valued in like, uh, like college and high school level. So to see him do that is absolutely amazing. And then I have Brady at three. Okay. Moving on to the Vikings. Should they move on from Mike Zimmer? Is that something that would benefit the squad? I'm going to be one that's always been defensive of Kirk Cousins and how much he kind of gets crapped on. I mean, we've seen, I think there was a photograph that said, uh, you know, he had 24 touchdowns and four interceptions or something, but nobody cares because it's Kirk Cousins. Um, I don't know if you guys all saw that, but you know, it's an odd feeling, but that's kind of what it is. And I am in favor of moving on from Mike Zimmer just to, uh, too old fashioned, not with it. And frankly, it, it, he has similar vibes to Mike Tomlin for me in the negative sense of doesn't seem to care too much anymore with losses. And that that's when you start to, to kill a franchise. So um, Marshall, what do you think? Yes, but this is like a, this is a hard one. Um, I just think that it's time with him. I, I think he's a really good defensive coach, but I just think, and here's the thing, player personnel wise, I, and I, I've I've had this argument with other people. I think Eric Hendricks is the best linebacker in football. I think Eric Hendricks is the best linebacker in football. And part of it and why he is not really considered such is I think that they have so many mediocre players that are kind of left over from their original stint when they made the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum. Um, I mean, Harrison Smith's on the downturn. Daniil Hunter has i mean he basically missed last year with an injury and then a lot of this year with an injury they don't have interior rushers anymore they don't have limball joseph they don't have like everson griffin anymore their corners like they don't have xavier road this is as much a personnel thing as it is a zimmer thing and so in order to fix this it's not okay zimmer's not producing anymore we're gonna go get someone who can improve the scheme because i mean zimmer what he does with like his double a in 2017, what he was doing on third down was like absolutely elite. Um, they they were just so good. What what he has in terms of pitches, in terms of his double A stuff, his disguise stuff, and his like situational stuff on defense is like worth keeping. But I just think that the the Vikings like they, they're just in such a predicament where they just need they need better players, and I just think they almost need like a new voice. So I. I think weirdly they're in a weird spot, but I, I think they actually need to like blow it up completely. Justin, yeah, get rid of him or just blow it up or neither. You know, I, I think getting rid of Zimmer is the right move at this point. It's weird for the NFL when you have a team that's competing at close to or at a playoff level every season, they're way more prone to just sticking with their coaches as opposed to the NBA where if you're finishing 500, your coach is getting fired pretty quickly in my opinion. So now they're kind of stuck in this kind of chaos where it's like they, their offense is definitely one of the highest weaponry level offenses in the league. They have a top three rusher. They have a top 10 passer. They have a top 10 wide receiver and a top 20 wide receiver on that team. And their offensive line isn't that bad either. And, and Marshall's right. Their defense has become a huge struggle. They lost like three major pieces in the past couple seasons. They have, Eric Kendrick still they have Harrison Smith and they're dealing with a lot of injuries but the main issue that we're having at this point is that he is just kind of stuck where he is I think honestly 
this coach is would be is one of the best coordinators in the league. Like he would be the best coordinator heads down on any team he was on. And if he was on a team that had good pieces and solid pieces on both sides of the ball, he's a Super Bowl level coach. But the thing is, is in the NFL now, the salaries are competitive. There's not as many good players as I think on both sides of the ball as there used to be. So it's leading to a lot of times where you have to have a good coach to bring out some of your worst players. And I just, and like Bill Belichick does, you have to be able to bring out the bad players to make them good. And I just don't think Zimmer has the ability to do that. I think Zimmer can call a great game all day long, but they need someone who's going to add some kind of value. I'm hoping maybe somebody on the defensive side, like a Todd Bowles type would be absolutely killer in that role but they need someone who's able to coach that defense up because the offense can manage itself at this point. And I, Zimmer just can't manage bad players. He can't make bad players good. Kevin. Yeah. I I think we're all actually kind of in agreement with where the Vikings are. I I think you guys have talked about accurately how the personnel on defenses and what it used to be. And again, his calling card has been that he's a defensive coach, but at, at the end of the day too, I think if you're looking at Zimmer and where the Vikings are, do you have faith in them rebuilding the team quick enough that they can go beyond a potential playoff berth? Because right now, Dalvin Cook, he's 26, and he's already had missed multiple games already and had injury problems. Kirk Cousins is 33, and there's some expectation that there's limitations on what you can do. Adam Thielen's 32. Do you blow it up because at the end of the day, you're looking at a roster that maybe is already peaked and maybe Again, maybe everybody on the roster is a touchable except for Justin Jefferson at this point. Um, now, Green Bay, like, again, if they blow it up, then who knows? We could have a tanking conference, essentially. But I think, yes, Mike Zimmer is a, a good head coach. Um, but the risk becomes, do you risk stagnating and then not developing further? And then eventually you decline in a two- or three-year stretch. Me personally, if I was the Vikings, I would blow it up. I think he's again a, a good head coach, but I would be I would feel comfortable if I was management with the Vikings, knowing that even if we don't get a head coach that's going to be good initially, maybe it takes us two or three tries to get a good head coach. Eventually, we can get that person to come in there, and we can have a rebuilt roster because I think you've kind of maxed out right now with Captain Kirk and company. But I think it ultimately it is as much personnel as it is management philosophy. I think you could even argue more uh, personnel at this point, and I would personally blow it up. Yeah, and I think that's the problem with the NFL that we're seeing now is like, if you've had a coach for so long and you have such an experienced coach, what is the risk reward factor you're now getting from possibly releasing that coach? I mean, we look at the Texans, they had David Coley this year and the Lions had Dan Campbell. And honestly, yeah, from an NFL perspective, that make might make a lot more sense. But from a fan perspective, it just it looks scary to bring in someone with such little actual head coaching experience. I mean, I know when reading about what the head coaching offseason is going to look like, Doug Peterson seems like the favorite for every job for some reason. And that's because he's basically the one of the very few coaches that actually has veteran coaching experience at a head coach level. And I think that's something that teams are going to begin to value a bit more again, because 
these rookie coaches and especially the college coaches are not up to par and up to NFL <clears> standards. <throat> so it's going to be very interesting to see how the coaching atmosphere changes over the next few years. I mean, I think the Byron left, which is of the war- world. I mentioned Todd Bowles and Doug Peterson. They're going to eventually find their head coaching jobs and they're ready for it because like they've been in great experiences for so long, but Nowadays, those low-level youngsters have shown that they're not as good as they can be, that Sean McVay may have been a one-hit wonder after all. Now we're going to look at the Giants. The Giants have come out and said that they will move forward and keep – I shouldn't say move forward. They're going to keep Joe Judge as well as Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, next season. So that's already been a pronouncement made. Obviously, things can go south, but that's where their heads are at right now. We're going to talk about whether or not we think that's a good idea. I'm going to start off by saying the Daniel Jones part doesn't bother me at all. When healthy, he's been playing incredibly well. In fact, basically, not basically, every single starting wide receiver has been injured for a minimum of a third of the season. And when he was out there, he was performing relatively well. Not great, but relatively well. And he showed showed goodness to come. So in my opinion, they have two top 10 picks next year, most likely. That's what's going to happen. Take two old linemen. I don't care. Andrew Thomas, sure. Is he getting it much better than he was last year? Sure. Still not quite where you want to be. The rest of the O-line, certainly still not quite where you want to be. Take take Linderbaum and Neal. Iowa and Alabama, take them both. A center and a tackle. Take them both back-to-back and see what happens with Danny Dimes. Give him that one more chance. The Joe Judge, I can maybe do without him, but I guess there's not really that much that I've seen either way. So, but that, that part, I'm not too sure about. Uh, we'll go to Marshall first. Uh, Kevin, you'll, you'll, you'll finish it off later. Thank you. Yeah. The giants are in a really sad state and I'm not really sure how to fix them. I can tell you what some of their problems are, um, but there's definitely something a lot deeper. We'll probably hear about it in like a tell all piece. I don't know if it's management or what it's something about how that organization operates. And it's not like, it's not like the Jags level of problem. I mean, this has been a Super Bowl operation. Um, but in terms of personnel, I've found that their second round picks the past few years have been better than their first round picks in terms of my own opinions, um, which is a scary thing because most people would be like, well, that doesn't matter. Like if you just get the players, you get the players. That's concerning because in order to be a good organization, like player player eval, which is what I, I love to focus on, it's it's my favorite part of football. Um, you know, scout a player, tell me about his tell me as much as you possibly can about this guy via film and everything else that you can find, um, and have that inform your decisions. And that's the thing. Player eval informs all of your decisions. Um and I think that the Giants' decision-making kind of stems back to that, and it extends a lot further than that. Um, You know, as we said, Andrew Thomas, I think he's going to be a fine tackle. I think the balance problem is probably going to stay with him. I think he's going to mitigate it and and limit it because it's a reactionary balance problem, uh, meaning that if he doesn't know what he's doing or unsure about his assignment, um, it becomes increasingly worse. I'm getting a little into the weeds, but – I agree in terms of like, how do you get it better? Because you have a great opportunity. You, you're you going to have two really high picks in this year's draft. I think you got to go line with one of them. Um, 
because Will Hernandez is underwhelming. Your center is not good. Uh, your right guards, whatever. Um, Pert maybe will develop. I don't know. I doubt that you're going to develop him because like you've already proven that you like you 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 had the first pick out of all these linemen uh, in the 2020 draft, and you didn't pick the right one. You had an opportunity. You could have picked Slater this year at 11. Um, I mean, you traded that pick. Like, that was – like, I would have done that 100% uh, just because you're getting the Bears' first-round pick of the next year, and that's likely top 15. Uh, and It's probably going to be top 10. But I think that, White, you're on the right track in terms of how do you just build this team? You got to just – you, you got to dominate up front. I, I think you go both sides of the ball – or I, I think you go both actually on the offensive line whoever that may be um, I'm, I'm just starting my like kind of work on all these guys, but I think you've got to really look heavy at not just offensive linemen, but scheme proof offensive linemen. And that this guy can go kick that guy's ass in a phone booth any day of the week. It doesn't matter like how often like, <laughs> like, like you got, you got to get guys who can like create movement, who can like real who are just, bullies like i'm thinking of like a landon dickerson type from last year um like i mean obviously like the guy that they could use is in philadelphia right now um and you know they need like an interior and an exterior player they need a right tackle and they need some sort of interior player whether that's limiter bomb and neil we'll see um i've been watching this nc state kid who seems to fit that mold not sure if he's a guard or tackle but um i think you got to go up front because this like you can't rely on scheme. You you already kind of botched the playmakers. The only thing you can possibly do is just get just get the infrastructure up front. Justin, where where are their flaws or are you uh you cool with this move keeping these guys? You know, I am pretty okay with Joe Judge at this point. I think he's made a pretty strong defense. Like that Giants defense <laughs> is super underrated. It's top ten in the league for sure at this point. But on the offensive side, he hasn't found momentum. And the main reason I think that people are arguing that they should keep Daniel Jones around for another season is that he didn't have a fair shake yet again. He had a lot of offensive line issues yet again, and he had a lot of wide receiver injuries this season, and he got injured again. But I think all of that combined, I just don't think Daniel Jones is the answer anymore. I mean, if you're going to keep going with the logic that, oh, there's an injury this year, there's an injury that year, or this position was flawed like you're going to keep doing the same thing and that's what the Giants have kept doing they've kept bringing back players like Sterling Shepard who's getting injured over and over again Kenny Galladay who was on a long-term injury and was coming back um I mean Saquon Barkley even continuously injured unhelpful to the team basically at this point to have someone that injured all the time and have so much money and ideas thrown in one player's direction just to never play um as you can tell clearly I'm someone who also thinks that the Giants should get rid of Barkley I think this place should be a full-blown, like, rehab, restart, everything. Like, we're talking about blowing up the Vikings team. The Giants should just blow everything up again. Like, they barely even built anything up, and it should just be torn down yet again. Um, I would say even quarterback and running back, I don't think there's anybody on that team that's a franchise player right now on offense. So I say you get rid of Jones, you get rid of Barkley, I think you got to start fresh. Maybe go for a quarterback in this draft. Maybe find a quarterback in free agency and wait till next year's draft class when there's better talent. Um, there's a lot of options, and I think the Giants should be pursuing one of those 
I think the only reason why they might be sticking with Daniel Jones another season is because they don't like this draft class and they feel like next season that they can just tank again and have a good enough draft pick to then secure themselves a quarterback with a bit higher of a reputation. Though, you know, they'll love the draft the low reputation guy anyway, so maybe they're just waiting for the high reputation players to be there so they can draft the low reputation at the end of the day. All right, and Kevin finishes off there. So I agree with mostly everything Justin just said. I think the one thing that should sum up Gettleman's tenure, at least for this year, is the Giants are one of six teams that have zero pro bowlers. There is no talent on this team. They are not fast. They are not strong, like at at least offensively. I mean, they fired Jason Garrett, and they said that he was the weak link, that he was – he was the reason why our offense was being held back because obviously if we didn't have Jason Garrett, we would have had the greatest show on turf. Since then they put Freddie kitchens in charge and they've no joke. It seemed they've been averaging damn near 11 points a game. When you watch the New York giants play football, at least on offense, it looks like they're playing a different sport. It looks like they're playing rugby when everyone else is playing football, running plays that grind to a halt after one or two plays because the run blocking is still not good. Uh, passing game, which is lethargic at best. Like, I mean, receivers go down immediately after the catch. I mean, Danny, Daniel Jones, like, yes, his first year was good. He had 24 touchdowns to 12 picks, but his last two years, he's thrown for under 3000 yards. And two years ago, it was 11 touchdowns to 10 picks this year. It was it's been 10 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And that's not even getting into the fumbling problem that he's historically had a problem. I know he's improved upon this year, but at best you could say that Daniel Jones is either a game manager. And if not, he's God awful. Like there is, there is, there has been no outside of that Tampa game, which was his first NFL game and defenses didn't have a playbook on him. There has been no exceptional Danny dimes game. He's been more Danny Derps than Danny dimes. So at this point, again, like the, the giants at this point, like, I don't understand why you don't blow it off. I don't understand why you're insistent on bringing back Joe judge because Gettleman's clearly not the answer, but if you're going to bring in a new general manager, why are you bringing in a head coach and, or insistent on the, the head coach and the quarterback have to stay like the GM, whoever comes in should have free reign. Like this is what the jets do every year. They fire the general manager but then they say, oh, no, you have to keep the guys the general manager had. You have to keep – these players are untouchable. Wait, wait, but if you think the general manager can run the team, why, why are you as ownership saying that these guys have to stay? You don't know football. <laughs> so, like, why are you saying that these guys are off limits? Why are they sacred cows? I'm not saying and – and for me personally, again, I think you should give Jones another year because, again, the quarterback crop is weak. But, again, like – I could just go down like the litany of like bad personnel decisions after bad personnel stages. They drafted Barkley um, for an old line that was atrocious and had him get killed for years now. And it also too in a league that's devaluing the running back position. You drafted Jones at six, which was the reach of the century. He was a second, he's he's a second round guy, and you drafted him six. <laughs> Any other position, people would be like, you were asinine and you were fools to do that. And then that's not even going back to you guys have managed to draft worse than when Jerry Reese was there. And people were saying Jerry Reese is bad because he's only drafted Odell and Landon Collins. And then you traded Odell. 
you pick up Zeitler, and then you let Zeitler just walk in free agency. So you guys have no concept of value at all. You have no, uh, you have no ideology when it comes to value at all. You you like you, you trade Leonard Williams for like second round picks, and it's like okay, Leonard Williams is good. Like, what's your philosophy? I don't know what it is. Like, I I question your ability to evaluate talent, and like I I don't know. And I question Joe Judge. Like, how do how do you think that even if you think Jason Garrett is not good? And that he's a puppet, right? Like in all those years that he was in Dallas, who would think that Jason Garrett is actually worse than Freddie Kitchens? Like, I, I don't, I, I, for, for the love of God, like, I don't know. And I just watch, I legally stream games now because I don't understand the giants. I like, I don't, I don't understand this team. I don't want to understand this team. Maybe I'll buy season tickets next year. And then maybe I'll get a free medium soda. But beyond that, I just – I don't even want to think about this team anymore. I'm done with the Giants. It's it's a disgrace. Mara seems like either completely like – he seems semi-retired. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want to know about the team or doesn't want to care about the team. He seems semi-retired and gone. I, I don't know. It, like I'm lost. Disgusting. All right. That will do it from the New York fans. <laughs> That was well said. We will move on to Tua Tagovailoa down in Miami. Is he here to stay? They've now won seven in a row, they being the Dolphins of Miami. Jalen Waddell at the forefront of that, as well as Tua, and their defense can be massively accredited as well. So do we like Tua kind of sticking around here? How, how, how much are they going to stick around? I'll start off by saying if they get a franchise running back, I think they're a, they're a team of the future, and I'm not afraid to say it. I think they've been sneaking up with those seven wins and doing so pretty well. So I can see them. Obviously, they're not going to win the Super Bowl, of course, this year, but they're good enough to win a playoff game, and I, I'll stand by that. Okay, uh, I'm going to swing it right back to Kevin, actually. Let's hear your voice again. Tua, is he uh, good to stay for the Dolphins? Ooh, um... So this year, I think Tua is good to stay for the Falcons just because of the run they're going on. I agree with you, White. I do think given a good matchup or the right matchup, they can stymie a team. Uh, Jalen Waddle's becoming an absolute star. Um, Again, I'm so happy I picked him up in that fantasy league. Otherwise, I would be absolutely getting killed in the one we're in. Um, But overall, again, like I'm not going to rule out that he isn't going to get moved, though, because, again – there's going to be, I think, a lot of quarterbacks in play potentially. Um, I think you're going to see franchise guys get moved. And I'm not going to predict that he's going to get moved, but I think the Dolphins are still clearly hesitant. I mean, he did say only like six weeks ago, I don't feel not wanted <laughs> as like a double entendre, like no, yes, maybe. Um, but ultimately, I think with him, um, I think he's capable. I, I think – some of the arm talent might not be there. Maybe the hip injury has had more to do with it. Because I think in college, at least his arm to me looked noticeably had more zip on it and more power. Um, he has a good arm now, but I, I do wonder if they have reservations. I don't know if it's still because of uh, a potential downgrade if they feel he's had because of the hip injury or if they don't love his decision-making or if they just – feel like they could get a more talented guy such as Deshaun Watson still. Um, But I'm not going to rule out that he's not going to get moved. 
Marshall. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely give him a shot. He's only in his second year, and he's he's played less games than all these other guys. Um, we're not expecting him to be Herbert, but, um, you know, he's been comp to Baker, uh, who I just want to get this out here. Uh, uh, his wife, Emily, I guess, posted um, – we were talking about this in the chat earlier. She posted a, a stat comparison, uh, which is, uh, I think, an intellectually dishonest argument about how Baker's stats were better than, like, Drew Brees and Brett Favre's at at this current point. And I would just like to say here on the podcast, I've thought about this for a while. Um, I would take Jared goofy pants, uh, the goofster over Baker Mayfield. If you put a gun to my head, because at least goofy is going to make the throws you scheme up for him, man. And Baker can't even do that. Oh, also he's a worse athlete. So I just need, I needed to throw that at Baker. Uh, <laughs> he's too he's too short, man, for how immobile he is. But anyway, go on. I know, I know. I mean, he was barely outrunning uh, Kansas D tackles in the in the Big Twelve. But uh, no, John Dorsey compared him to Brett Favre, um, the guy that I actually think is more like Brett Favre than people think, and no one has said this is actually Tua, and it's because of how he processes and his reliance on instincts. He, it's not a one-to-one comparison. Favre is obviously a much different player. He is physically completely different. Tua might be brittle. Favre is about as durable as you can get uh, of just a human at the, at the NFL quarterback position. Um, but Tua's reliance on instincts is almost – it makes it very – I think it almost, like, increases the variance of the possibilities that you're going to get. So you're either going to get a Tua that is, like, either really bad, which we saw earlier. You're going to get one that's, like, okay, which I feel is, like, what we're seeing right now. But there's also this potential brilliance that you could eventually get with Tua, depending on how his instincts click and if he's able to do that at the NFL level. I would argue that, no, that's probably not going to happen, and I don't think we're going to see that, like – rendition of Tua but I'm saying it's still it's still in there somewhere and um I mean man having Jalen Waddle Jalen Waddle is just the is just the example of and Jalen Waddle is going to get Tua paid because Waddle is basically I know he's getting the Jarvis Landry comps right now this offense this offensive line there are so many problems with it schematically it's gotten a little bit better but I mean talk about another team that that really does not know how to evaluate offensive line um, the Giants drafted Andrew Thomas at four. That was nowhere near as bad as the Dolphins drafting Andrew, uh, Austin Jackson at 18. Um, you know, but I think just the the presence of Waddle, if you can get another playmaker on the outside, and I think Tua has shown more promise than than he did at, at least last year because it was definitely it was definitely pretty rough then. Justin, <laughs> yeah. I'm still not a buyer on Tua by any means. Uh, I don't think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I don't think he has the passing game. And I don't see him really developing a direction where he's going to be good enough. But all in all, what the Dolphins have done is they've built a franchise and a team where many different quarterbacks could fill into that slot effectively and do a good job. And I think Jalen Waddle, yes, owes a lot of credit for that. And I think, Andrew, you're on the money when if they add, like, an actual running back to that backfield, that would make them a playoff team, basically almost an ace narrow, because literally they have built every other position in such a great and intricate way. And, like, that's kind of like the Bill Belichick way. I mean, Brian Flores, a former part of the Belichick organization. I mean, 
he has done a great job of personal management. He's done a great job of finding the right players to fill the right spots. Like, extremely impressive coach, in my opinion. Like, I don't think he should go anywhere anytime soon for Miami because I think he's doing a great job, even without not being able to make the playoffs. But any quarterback can really fit that mindset. Um, I think Tua does have the right to say because he is a quarterback who is playing pretty decently as of late and has gone through a lot of hate and a lot of rumors and has still come out on the other side ahead. So give me Tua another year, and maybe they end up with someone like James Robinson in that backfield. I mean, the Jaguars have MTN coming back next season. Robinson's now coming off an injury. He could easily be moved on on his small contract and a small opportunity to end up on a team that could use a running back to put them over the edge like Miami or Buffalo down for next season. All right. Rapid fire. Best defense in the NFL. I got the Cowboys. Marshall, best defense in the NFL. As of right now, I'll go Cowboys. All right. Uh, Kevin. I'm going to go Colts. Interesting. I like that take. Okay. Uh, Jelly. Saints, they're sexy as on defense. <laughs> like, no other way to describe it. I don't even curse on this show that often. You can bleep that out if you need to, but like you're good. Damn. Like those Saints <laughs> holding the Bucks to zero points. Like some of the stuff that Marshall says about Josh Allen on the show is insane. <laughs> but watching the Saints on that, I was like, man. All right, that, that's great. Absolutely amazing. Uh, that was an unbelievable uh, explanation, and we'll leave it there. Well what, done. Quite, oh, yeah, Marshall, go on. Quite, if you can clip that, I will retweet that so <laughs> fast. Your head will spin. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll t- <laughs> I'll have to think about that one and obviously have to ask Justin's opinion, too. Okay, anyway, um, moving forward, um, <clears throat> talking about the Cowboys, even though we weren't really uh, – before we just get into ending our show, how good are the Cowboys? I want you to just tell me how far you think they can make it. And I'll start by saying I genuinely believe, given the right circumstances, the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl this year. We're talking this year. Okay. Expectation and possibility, Kevin, on this <laughs> year, what can they do? Accomplish, I should say. Well, hmm. I'm trying to preface this. Well, because like I'm trying to differentiate because I'm I'm normally saying that they're overhyped every year, but at the same time, like what like what they did to Washington was incredible. But I think at the very least they could get to the conference championship, and I think they can win the whole Super Bowl. Um, I, I feel like they're a more explosive team than some of the other. I feel like they're more explosive than Green Bay, and with Tampa Bay and all their injuries. Um, I don't know how many teams can challenge them outside of like the Rams, maybe. So I think if you're Dallas and especially too, like it's not a Zeke centric team anymore in terms of like, now you have also like Tony Pollard in the backfield and you know, like it's no longer Dink and Dak. Like it's, it hasn't been, you know, for like a year or two now. Um, Dak is like the guy of that team, not only the leader, but like the most valuable player. Um, and again, he's going to get some MVP votes too, but I think Dallas, just the totality and the talent of the roster, just it's hard to really compete with that. They got explosive guys, man. All right. Now Marshall. 
the way that I would phrase it is there are three teams that if you said I'm going to put my money on in the NFC, I wouldn't pick anyone else besides these three teams, Green Bay, Tampa, and Dallas. And I think Dallas is the team that there's a lot of things that are just like very, I guess, representative of a team that is just ready and willing to win the Super Bowl. This team is honestly like as wild as it can sometimes seem and and all the Jerry Jones jokes and all that stuff. This team's player personnel department has been really, really good over the past, not just like few years, but really the past decade Um, from picking Zach Martin over Johnny Manziel to, I mean, when CDs fall into them, Tyron Smith, Fred, uh, Travis Frederick, um, you know, I mean, they got CD Lamb and Trayvon Diggs in the same draft, man. That's absurd. That's yep. really, really nuts. And this team is basically just a product of a lot of really good choices. Um, they know football. And I've made some Mike McCarthy jokes. I honestly think they're so good that it doesn't really matter what he does. Like, I, I the CEO type coach, um, I push back on that on that type of coach just because I think sometimes it can be in a lot of situations, almost an excuse for you don't have like a, a decisive like edge, you know, is you're not giving me a schematic edge here or there, or like a, a, you know, a teaching edge. You're almost like operating under the guise of, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a player's coach or something. And there's truth there. I, I can show you examples where that's completely true and it's valid and has a positive impact. So then there's coaches who are phonies who also fall under that. Um, McCarthy, I just I think on this team, he's kind of just on he's along for the ride, and I think that's okay. Um is if Kellen Moore can as long as Kellen Moore doesn't fall into the the playoff level like pitfall, where I mean like I, I'm talking like a, a McVeigh falling into like Belichick's trap in the Super Bowl type of thing that that inexperienced coaches can sometimes have. Um I think this team could absolutely win it all. All right. Now, Justin, do you think the same? I think the Cowboys are possibly the most overhyped team right now in the entire league. Like, I don't even think like it's even close right now. Uh, let's start with Trayvon Diggs, honestly, because 11 interceptions is extremely deceiving. Um, we talk about how Baker Mayfield, like how he had like his wife post all those stats about yardage. Now, Baker Mayfield has more yards than the other of them and then those other quarterbacks. And that's based on sheer output of because it's a passing league. But on top of that, you look at Trayvon Diggs. He has the most interceptions because he's thrown to the most out of any corner in the league because he's also let up the most yardage out of any cornerback in the league. He is literally getting pure interception output, which is the flashy element because the fact he's so bad at actually doing the job of a corner, which is to stop the pass from happening. He's just good at getting the turnovers, which, yes, is helpful at times but it's not helpful in the grand scheme of how many yards he's letting up as a corner. I think Michael Parsons is extremely talented. I think the offense is extremely talented. The offensive line is extremely talented. Kellen Moore, I think, is the best coordinator in the league. I think he should take a head coaching job somewhere in this offseason, but he probably won't because he's probably like Josh McDaniels and is hoping to take over his current head coach's job eventually. Um, because I think McCarthy is kind of trash, and I think he's probably the biggest thing holding the Cowboys back from a Super Bowl right now is that he isn't very good at player development, in my opinion, again. 
um, especially when it comes to corners. I think he has trouble with defensive development. Um, but you look at the Cowboys' defense this season. Yes, they've played well as of lately, but you've played a Saints team. Since Thanksgiving, you've played a Saints team that's completely depleted. You've played Washington twice, and you've played the Giants. And before that, you let up 36 points to the Raiders. You lost to the Chiefs. You've And earlier this season, you've let up 30 points to the Broncos, 30 points to the Patriots, and 31 points to the Buccaneers. I mean, they're own, and 28 points to the Panthers, who had Sam Darnold at quarterback. The only game that was really impressive on defense was Justin Herbert's game, where they only allowed 17 points to the Chargers. But overall, I think the Cowboys' defense is extremely overrated. I think the Cowboys' offense is probably underrated overall, but they're just playing at such an inconsistent level. They have amazing players on that team. But for some reason, they're just not meshing. And I just feel like that's a coaching issue at this point. I have the Cowboys as being a second-round exit at this point. I think they're a really good team. I just don't think they have the chemistry that you need for a complete playoff Super Bowl package. I kind of I kind of like that take. It's a, it's a different eye-opening take to the – to the world and uh, quote unquote America's team, right? Um, not not here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm like uh, America's team during the pandemic. Yeah, right, 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 that. right. Okay, <laughs> now college football playoff predictions. Before we ride out our hot takes and then and NFL predictions for the week. College football predictions. It's happening this weekend. Friday is Michigan, excuse me, my bad. It is Alabama versus Cincinnati first, and then later will be Georgia versus Michigan. Now who, we're not going to get too much into it because I'm sure we'll talk more about it during the national championship, but your predictions on how this will unfold. And I will begin by suggesting the following. Georgia was embarrassed, rightfully so. They should be embarrassed. Very much so embarrassed by Alabama. They will beat Michigan, and I think quite handily. The only problem will be Hutchinson, of course. Their offense will struggle a little bit. But Michigan's main focus on offense is their run game. That is the one thing that Georgia has demolished all season long um, to a T. So that's the one thing going for Michigan, and I think it'll be squashed this time. Georgia's defense was humiliated last time, and McNamara is not going to be making 70-yard bombs that Bryce Young was making to kind of unfold the game in in bad times. Uh, Alabama will beat Cincinnati by over 25 points, I think, and I think Alabama will win again against Georgia in the national championship, and they will be natty champions again, much to my dismay, but that's my objective opinion. Okay, Kevin. You know, at first I thought that by you saying Georgia is going to go on, that this was going to be like your SEC dream where it's like, yes, the SEC fan, I get my SEC college football championship. And then Georgia gets the championship, but then you, you threw cold water on that. You said Bama was going to win. So I'm not going to say it's a biased take in my opinion. Right? Hey, I, I rarely have biased takes for, for them. In fact, I make fun of them the most. Yeah. I, I, th- I actually think you're pretty even handed. You, 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 you love the SEC a lot. You think it's the best conference, but I would say, you know, rightfully so. It probably is right now. And with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, it probably will be. Ultimately, though, um, I agree with the Bama-Cincinnati take. I I want Cincinnati to win, but I feel like there's a strong chance potentially that it's going to be a blowout. Um, it's, just, it's just what Bama does. And then 
Yeah, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Michigan beats Georgia. Um, it, yes, it depends highly on Michigan's run game. But I think McNamara has been playing stronger the last couple of weeks, um, the last couple of weeks before. And I think Georgia, I do have questions about the quarterback play um, against, you know, Michigan's defense. Like, I, I hope they go with JT Daniels personally for your sake, White. Um, you know, they, they might be going with your, your boy Stetson, but at My this boy, point, right. yeah, at this point, you know, I think there are reasonable questions with McNamara, but I have as just as many questions about Georgia's passing game, depending on who's a QB for them. So I actually kind of think they're oddly enough mirror images of themselves with Georgia being slightly more talented, but because I think McNamara is at this point, I would consider him better than Stetson Bennett, who I think might be starting this game. Uh, I will go with Michigan. All right. And a uh, championship prediction. What do you got? Oh, I forgot about that. So yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go Bama. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. All good. All good. All right. Marshall. I was watching. I've been watching a good amount of Georgia film lately. I watched the peach bowl, but last year, yeah, the la- last year's Peach Bowl that they played against Cincinnati. Um, and I was really impressed with Ritter's ability to kind of manage duress, uh, extend plays, but I don't think he's like ideally like traitsy as well. Um, I, it really depends how the line holds up. Um, because this is either a team that's going to be able to like completely hang and people are going to be like, what the hell? Why is Cincy like hanging so close with Bama, which is the side that I'm leading. But there's also obviously the second possibility, which is talent takes over. Um, and like Saban kicks the crap out of, out of Cincinnati. Obviously that's more likely. Um, uh, but I'm going to say that it's going to be a little closer. I think it's going to be about a one touchdown game that might eventually, you know, become like a 10 point game, but, I think this is going to be like a – I think it's going to be a one-score game for, for longer than we think, even though the game's not actually that close, just because of how Cincinnati plays. And I think I think they're really admirable with how they play. I think Georgia's going to boat race Michigan. Uh, the reason that I think they're going to boat race them is because of the defensive fronts and variations of how they – difficult not just personnel wise but assignment wise on the Michigan offensive line um and there's not a play like Ohio State was really overrated in terms of their front four really front seven but they've had the worst front four out of like any Ohio State team that I've I've watched in probably ever um so yeah you can run against Ohio State but I just think that, like, actually, like, schematic-wise, with what they do on the fronts, I mean, you're talking, like, just the personnel and team speed. I just have to – in order to beat Georgia, you basically have to almost do what you have to do to beat Bama, and you have to hit them over the top. Because if you try to nickel and dime this team, like, they're basically, like, a spread-level defense. Like, they're they're – they're the antithesis of they're, – they're a defense that can cover, like, traditional spread offenses because of how they're constructed. I think that, yes, like, uh, you know, a guy like Stetson Bennett, I, I call these quarterbacks I, – I think I've come up with the term that I like the most. Uh, they're bamboozler quarterbacks because they're these guys that, like – you know, Stetson Bennett can't play any other position in a college football, like probably even D3. Like, this guy is not an athlete, like, whatsoever. Um, he looks like an accountant. 
but somehow he convinced uh, uh, like he somehow convinced like the Georgia coaches and I'm sure Kirby's got like some soft, some soft spot for this because he's a great kid and he's probably like smart and all that stuff. That player is not beating Nick Saban. And I promise you that guy, like, I, I don't know why we got so worked up with it. Maybe because of Georgia's just five stars and everything, but the team Georgia has to outplay Bama so considerably just because Stetson Bennett's the quarterback. So I think Bama's going to win this again. Already, that's a fair take. And Justin, yeah, I'm gonna say Bama blows out Cincinnati. Michigan finds a way to beat UGA, or UGA has to call forfeit because they live in Georgia cesspool COVID. Um, and then I'll take Bama in the finals over Michigan. We'll probably one score a game for that one. All righty, now two more things. Our hot take of the week, and then the NFL predictions we will zip through. <clears throat> so, hot take of the week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. This is gonna be my bias take of the week. Georgia wins by over 24 points against Michigan. Again, that's a hot take. Not quite sure that that's gonna happen, but that's where we're gonna go with. Okay, Justin, hot take of the week. So it sounds like Jimmy G is dealing with a pretty nasty hand injury. Sounds like he might be back in time for the playoffs, but probably sitting out this week, which reopens the door for Trey Lance. Trey Lance will have over 300 passing yards against the Texans and over 100 rushing yards and five total touchdowns against a Texans team that has been surrendering the second least amount of points and yardage to quarterbacks. Trey Lance will open them up due to the lack of film. And the Eagles will play clinch their playoff berth this weekend. Kevin, hot take of the week. So the Buccaneers have lost much of their offensive personnel. Antonio Brown, I believe, is coming back, right? But again, they've lost Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Um, and they have Johnson to a wide receiver who will be playing. But even though they have Ronald Jones at running back, I don't believe in the skills positions for Tampa at this point with the loss of depth. So I will be saying that the New York Jets will beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I dig. I dig. Spicy. Okay, Marshall. I'm going for the hot take. Bengals beat the Chiefs. All right, let's get into our NFL scores predictions, and that's how I'll wrap up the show. Justin will have the standings for us right now. We have done the past couple of weeks due to the holidays and such and, and work for all of us. We've done this on the side. So Justin, give us up to get us up to speed here. Yeah. So over the past two weeks, I'll give you the two, the overall two week breakdown. Andrew has white has actually been the best over the past two weeks with a record of 24 and eight. <sighs> over two weeks of play, but we've all been pretty fantastic. I was next highest at 23 and nine over the past two weeks and Marshall and Kev were both 22 and 10. So no one has more than 10 losses over these past two weeks of pick So we've been pretty well there overall though. Marshall is still in first at 151 and 89. I am two points back at 149 and 91. Andrew White is six back right now at 145 and 95. And Kev Slattery is currently 11 back at 140 and 100. Those are pretty good. Solid. Nice. Let's wrap it up. Let's keep kicking booty. 
Okay. Rapid fire action here. Falcons, Bills. Bills for me. Kevin. I'm going to go Bills here. Marshall. Uh, Bills. Justin. Give me buff chicken, but not to cover. 37-23. Giants, Bears. Probably the Bears. I think the Giants have kind of quit on the year. Kevin. I'm going to go Bears here. Giants and the Bears rank in the bottom five in points per game. It's going to be a score of 3-2. <laughs> Safety in there. Marshall. I also agree with the Giants. At least their offense have quit, uh, but they're still going to lose. <laughs> Justin. Yeah, I don't know why we're having a conversation about whether the Giants should ta- start Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon this week. I don't know how you don't start the young player and see if he's worth rostering next season. So I think that indecisiveness alone might be Joe Judge's worst error I've seen in a while. Uh, but Chicago will kick butt, but Jake Fromm will get the most play time and do surprisingly well. Chicago wins 27-20. Mike Lennon is like single-handedly the only reason why people still argue that Colin Kaepernick should be in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Chiefs versus Bengals. Chiefs die here. It's Joe Burrow season. Give me the Bengals. Kevin. I'm going to go Bengals here, Tim. Marshall. Give me the goals. Nice. Uh, Justin. The Chiefs are too hot of a team right now for me. I mean, these are the two hottest teams in the AFC probably, but I think the Chiefs have too much momentum at this point, and their defenses look pretty good. I'm taking the Chiefs 24-17. Dolphins, Titans. Oh, man. This is tighter than it seems, but I think the Dolphins end here. I got the Titans in this one. Kevin. I'm going to go Dolphins on the road here, actually. I think they beat Tennessee. Marshall. I think the Titans defense at the front kicks the crap out of Miami. Bad offensive line. Titans here. Justin. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting game to watch. I mean, a Tennessee team trying to make sure Indianapolis can catch them in Miami a team on a hot streak. It'll, it'll be a good game to watch, but I do expect Tennessee to take it 28-21. Raiders, Colts. Give me the Colts by a billion. Kevin. I'm going to go to the Colts here. Marshall. Uh, Raiders, Colts. Wow. Uh, Bovado is not showing it. What's the line? It is. Uh, it's actually not in existence right now. Uh, I believe it is. I want to say it's three in the Colts' favor, but it's an issue right now because Carson Wentz is on the COVID uh, list. And due to the new COVID policy, mm-hmm. he's if he tests out, it will be on Sunday. Otherwise, Sam Ellinger will start. I'm going to go Raiders here. Okay, Justin. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I went back and forth just because, like, the Carson Wentz situation is up in the air. I do think Wentz is going to play, though. I think he's going to – I think he's asymptomatic based on what I'm hearing. So, give me the Colts to win this one, 28-23. Jags, Patriots, Patriots, Kevin. Yeah, Pats. Marshall. Marshall. If Belichick loses to the Jaguars, this will actually be ridiculous. So I'm rooting for the Jags to win, but uh, I mean, do it, Glenn. (laughs) Uh, Justin. Yeah, I'm taking the Pats, but the Jags will cover the spread. I'm taking Pats 35-21. Buccaneers, Jets. I just can't do Kevin's hot take. Buccaneers for me. Kevin. 
hey, Jets all the way, man. Is there going to be Tom Brady finally? This is the week to do it. So, Jets, man. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Marshall. I think I might be going to this game. First time seeing Tom. The Bucks are winning, but the Jets are covering. <laughs> all right, Justin. Yeah, after I did that Jets-Bills thing at the midpoint of the season, I decided I can't bet on the Jets and stupid games anymore. Uh, so, yeah, give me the Bucks, and I'm going to say they cover, too. Oh, jeez. That's 21-7. <laughs> Eagles football team. Football team is showing that they didn't really have a chance when we thought maybe they could earlier on. Eagles. Kevin. I think Eagles here potentially had a romp. Marshall. I'm going Eagles here. Justin. This game makes me moody. Um, wow. Watching the Eagles play the past two weeks has been really sad to watch their first halves, and then it's great to watch their second halves. It makes me not want to watch the first halves anymore. Um, I am taking Eagles here, but it's going to be extremely close. I think it's going to be 24-23. Eagles are going to play really bad football. Rams, Ravens, Ravens, biggest frauds in the league. Give me the Rams. Kevin. Going to Rams here on the road. Marshall. I'm going Rams here as well. Justin. Sounds like Lamar is going to play this week. Huntley, I think, should probably play for, like, an actual team next season as a starter. I think he's a pretty snazzy running quarterback. Um, but I'm going to take the Rams here 27-23. Broncos, Chargers. Chargers need to pick me up, giving it to him. Kevin. I'm going to go Chargers at home. Marshall. God, Chargers uh, Chargers are kind of a soft team defensively, um, but they're going to win this game. All right, Justin. Sounds like Drew Locke is going to play again this week. Um, I don't think they're going to have it. I don't think the defense will have as much trouble as they had against Houston, so give me the Chargers this season. Texans 49ers, 49ers on a roll, going to continue it. Texans will not mimic last week. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, I got the 49ers winning, still trying to get in there. Um, I think the Texans come back to earth. Marshall. Yeah, Lance might play this game. That's that's the thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm, still on the, I'm still on the 49ers, and um, I think they cover too. Oh, nice. Big cover, big cover. Justin. Oh, I'm taking San Fran all day in this one, baby. Give me San Fran 35 to 9. Absolute dumpster fire of a game. Cardinals, Cowboys, perhaps the game of the week. Cardinals low key looking like frauds in my eyes, but Cowboys could be too. So, bah, bah, bah. this is the fraud game of the week. Give me the Cowboys. Uh, Kevin. I'm going to go Cowboys at home here. Um, I think the Cardinals missing DeAndre Hopkins hurts a little bit, but I'm going to go Cowboys. Marshall. Cowboys win, Cardinals cover. Justin. If you like not don't include this past week's Cowboys Washington game, these are probably two of the flattest offenses in the league right now. Like they both need a juice in their system. Dallas got their juice. Arizona doesn't right now. I think Dallas comes out to play and wins. Uh, I'm I'm giving them the win with the spread. Okay, Panthers, Saints. Give me the Saints in this one. Kevin. Yeah, really a demoralizing loss to the Dolphins recently, but, like, I'm going to – 
Scotty and Booker quarterback. I like, yeah, I'm going to go Saints. I'm going to go Saints. I have to. The, the roster is too talented. Marshall. Oh, Panthers. I have been wrong on this season, uh, partially because I forgot to take into account how bad their line is. Um, but I think that defense shows up and they actually win this game. <laughs> okay, Justin. Well, I've given you my feelings about the Saints defense. And in addition to that, Taysom Hill got off the COVID IR list, so he'll be starting this week. He's versatile on the field and probably in the bedroom too. So give me Taysom Hill to win 28 to 20. Holy moly, a lot of things about the Saints today from Justin. My, oh my, doesn't sound very Saint-like. Okay, Lions versus Seahawks. Give me the Seabirds, the Ocean Birds. Actually, no. Give me the Lions. Give me the Lions. Third win, St. Brown, 150 yards. Okay, Kevin. You know, uh... Seattle rallies around the 12, but I'm starting to think that the 12 might be out before the end of the fourth quarter. I'm going to go Lions on the road. I like the juice with the Lions person. I think they've been competitive beyond just beating Arizona. I actually like where the Lions are going person. Like I think if you're a Detroit fan, they're competitive. Um, Seattle, they feel like a dead team walking. Um, so I'm going to go uh, – I think they could win on a field goal or something. So I'm gonna, I think it's a tight game, but I think the Lions win. Based Marshall. on Will. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Marshall. I don't think the Lions have the speed to handle uh, the deep shots to Lockett and Metcalf on the outside. These teams are going in two different directions, but I'm still going to go with Seattle. I think they still have pride, um, and I just think that speed matchup is they're, – they're, they should be able to score points. Justin. Yeah, I have the same thought process that Metcalf and Lockett should have good games, but Rashad Penny's probably going to have like 250 rushing yards for some reason. Uh, so <laughs> give me Seattle to win 27-21. Second to last game, Vikings-Packers rivalry for sure. I'm still running with the Packers, although every time Rodgers has been throwing the ball lately, he looks to be in excruciating pain, but doesn't matter to me. Packers, Kevin. I'm going to go Packers here. I think Devontae Adams goes off. Marshall. The pack attack. Keep rolling. Pack attack. I dig it. Justin. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota in Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just owns everyone in the NFC North, and he's not afraid to tell people about it and stick his gross toe in people's faces. So give me uh, Aaron Rodgers to win again. Browns versus Steelers. This is basically whether these teams want to have any sort of possibility of getting in the playoffs. I think the Steelers beat them. Think that they have a shot when they don't. And that'll be the situation. Steelers win. Kevin. Actually, no, they, they, they'll, I still think they'll beat the Ravens frauds, but uh, anyway, Kevin. <laughs> you just fraud so dismissively. <laughs> I mean, the Steelers are frauds too, but everybody knows that. So it's not really a fraud when people think you stink. Yeah, okay, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I got the Steelers too, man. I, like, I think this is actually a good team, a good roster. Um, I think there's limitations to the offense, but uh, again, I do think they are better than the Browns. So I have them winning at home. Marshall. Oh, this is a tough one. I hate 
so many people on both sides. I don't actually hate them. Um, oh, my gut tells me just throw it on Cleveland, but I hate Baker so much. Whatever. I'm picking the Browns, but if they lose, I get to just complain about Baker for one more week. All right. Sounds good, Justin. Yeah, uh, Marshall said he doesn't actually hate players. I think I might actually hate Baker Mayfield. I think he might just actually think he's trash. Um, so you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Pittsburgh, and I'm going to complain about Baker Mayfield regardless if he wins or loses. Perfect. Well said. Well said. Okay, this has been Kiyu Hot Takes recording on the 29th of December. We wish you a merry of Christmas uh, that has already passed. I hope it was merry, and... Happy New Year to those in 2022, and go dogs! It's a great day to be alive. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy off season for college football soon to come, and may the Sixers' odds be ever in their favor that they get something for Ben Simmons or that Ben Simmons dresses finally. Okay, so again, everyone, hope you had a good Christmas or just happy holidays. Um, one thing I will say, though, if you happen to find like a wheelchair ramp uh, that was being used by my grandfather in Kings Park, that got stolen in the front yard or taken. Oh, my God. Uh, so, again, kind of needs that back. But again, like if you could <laughs> if you could call, you know, um, I could give you his phone number, but at least call my phone number. 631-766-2012. Like we're looking for just information on it it could be anywhere <laughs> maybe someone took it for like metal scrap we don't know um but again please call my number and uh i don't know we'll, we might pay for it we might not but again we need it back you're about to get some weird calls kev it's good that's on the actual <laughs> podcast that's for sure <laughs> merry christmas Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, Justin, I think this was your best show. Uh, I love frisky, uh, unfiltered Justin. If we find that wheelchair, uh, Justin mentioned something about in and out of the bedroom. I don't know. We could probably do something with that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is this is d- debauchery what's going on here. All right. I'm, I am saying goodnight and sweet dreams, and I do not approve this message. Okay. Goodnight. Goodnight.